Father, we commit this morning into your hands. We're so aware, Lord, that it is your voice that we long to hear, that we need you by your Holy Spirit to come and to impact our hearts, to come and to do what only you can do. And Father, we look to you with complete trust and with complete confidence, Lord, that you will speak today, that you will guide and direct and comfort and challenge and change and do whatever you want to do today. We give you permission by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing in our series in, uh, in, in uh, Hebrews, and we are still in chapter Seven, chapter, chapter 11 and we're going to be looking particularly at verses um, 20 to 22 just three little verses and I'm going to read those verses to you and then we'll start okay so the first verse in verse 20 says it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons Jacob and Esau it was by faith that Jacob when he was old and dying blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. So those are the three verses today that we're going to look at. Uh, as you know, last time we looked at the life of Abraham uh, and how Hebrews 11 commended him for the way that he had lived a life of faith and how he had passed that down to his children. And of course, his son was Isaac. And I suppose, as I read through these chapters this week, it really hit me because uh, all of these men were coming towards the end of their life. And when you hit a big milestone, like I did last week, it begins to make you think a little bit more about the time that you've left and about living that time well. And, you know, I was challenged about, about it really in, in a number of different ways. I mean, um, I had ordered a new car and I'd ordered a red one because I felt red was going to be a prophetic colour for me as I entered into this next season. It's called fiery red. <laughs> what do you think? So I was claiming that as being a prophetic sign, you know, that that's what I'm entering into. So I went and bought myself a pair of red pants. Last week, like, I mean trousers, not pants. pants, pants. <laughs> Put them up there. Yeah, yeah, long trousers. <laughs> and a red top to match it. I was like a, I was like a fiery dark last week. Um, so uh, I, I was praying with my friend, or she was praying with me last week, just around my birthday last Wednesday, and I was telling her, you see, about the red and about the car. And uh, so I was saying, you know, I really, I would even dare to believe, I'm praying away, God, I am daring to believe that this new red car won't even get a bump or a scratch. See, that last one I had, I was hitting it all the time. You've no any idea how many times I had to get that quietly and quickly away to the body shop. So I said, God, could you just, I just believe, I have the confidence to speak it out, that this car is going to have no scratch, not even a bump, and it's going to continue to look well. So my friend who prays with me all the time, she just jumped in the back of that and she says, and yes, Lord, we've even got the faith to believe, just as you said that you're the lifter up of our head, we have the faith to believe that you're going to just give us, uh, going to give us youth and you're going to, you're going to take away even, even, um, even wrinkles. <laughs> and God, we're going to get older looking even better and we'll just be like the car, we'll have no bumps around and we'll just be looking even better. 
said, I'm saying yes, amen to that, sister. <laughs> and then you see, this car has got, but, and I, I hope I've got it right here, Jane tells me these things, but apparently it's called an uh, auto start stop button. And that means whenever you pull up and you put, it's automatic, when you put your foot on the brake, the car just gently stops, the engine stops. And then when you lift your foot off it, it just nice and gently starts up again and off you go. And I was driving up there this morning, up through town, and I just felt like the God Lord said to me, during the next season of your life, I want you to learn to use the spiritual auto on-off button. When you're going for me, you go on my power. But the minute that you've stopped doing what you need to do, just, just rest. Just cut off and enter into that rest. Do you know, I felt that was a word for all of us this morning. If we could learn to live like that. You know, there was a few cars in front of me this morning. and I, Because I left this Eddie Roll, this recording device behind me today, I had to go back home again. And that was adding stress on because I was trying to get back here before a quarter past. And it was like every car in front of me was like stopping. And I'm going, <laughs> would you just go on now? You can go on. <laughs> and I just felt like God said, just put the auto stop up now. Just rest. And you see, I think if we would do that, that we would actually have a better quality of life. And I actually think it would keep the wrinkles away and the stress lines away, and we would live in a different way. Okay, so the next time you're queuing and you're about to get all head up and bothered, just say, no, auto switch. Going into it. So this is what I felt when you to say, and a couple of quotes just about getting older. Youth, it says, this is a quote uh, from a book called Teach Us to Number Our Days by a guy called Steve McFadden. Youth is the time to study wisdom, Old age is the time to practice it. I thought that was pretty good. And then this is one I thought was interesting. Here are the proper occupations of old age. Prayer, which is a quickening of the mind, the, the rooting of attention in the ground of being, and song, which is the expression of spontaneous joy in the harmony of the chaos, and it's the telling of old tales which among all primitives was the supreme function of the old who passed on the wisdom to those who were coming behind. That's also from Teach Us to Number Our Days. So that idea of praying, which is the quickening of the mind and the rooting of attention in the ground of our being. I think there's something about, I'm saying, Lord, would you just quicken my mind to pray about things in a fresh way, to be rooted into what God says, and to be able to pray in a fresh way, not the old kind of just, oh, just praying, but to be actually quickened. That means giving life to you. It means, it means to be able to pray in the spirit and to pray big prayers right into situations. And then also this song that is the expression of spontaneous joy in the harmony that we can have even when life seems to be chaotic. That God would give us a spontaneous joy. And I'm thinking, yes, God, that is what I want to pass on to the next generation. Is that something you would like to pass on? Would you like to pass on the power of praying in the Spirit and the joy of worshipping God, the one who has redeemed you and set you free from your sins and given you a reason to get up out of bed in the morning? So we're going to look at these guys. We're going to remind ourselves that Abraham was the father of these three men. He was the father of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And we're going to be looking very quickly at some of the things about their lives and how each of them, actually, despite all their failures and all the mistakes, God actually quickened their minds and, and gave them a, a growth in faith 
that at the end of their lives they were able to pass something on and they had something to pass on to the next generation. And you will be, you will be reminded that Abraham was the father and he was, God had called him to walk a life of faith. And we've talked about him last week and many other times in the past we've talked about Abraham. And he was the one that God said, step out in faith. And he lived a life of faith. And God had promised Abraham that he was going to bless Abraham not only bless Abraham, but bless the world through Abraham, through his descendants. And if you remember, Abraham waited a long time uh, before uh, that actually came to pass. He didn't have one son, let alone a whole lot of descendants. He didn't have one son. And it tells us in uh, Genesis 15, it tells us that, that Abraham was complaining to the Lord that the blessing hadn't come, that he didn't have any children. He'd been waiting for God to give him descendants, these descendants that were going to bless the world. And in, in, in Genesis 15, he's telling the Lord um, that he doesn't have any. And it's, here's what it says in verse 5. Then the Lord took Abraham outside his tent and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I love that picture and I felt I couldn't actually do egals this morning without reminding you of this. Because I think sometimes we're a bit like Abraham in the tent. I think sometimes we get ourselves crouched down underneath the cares of life and it's just as if we were like Abraham inside the tent and sometimes God has to grab you and pull you out of your tent, out of the place where you're you know, under all these cares or whatever and God sometimes has to pull you out in order to get you to look up and get a clear view at, at what's up there. At clear, Abraham needed to see the stars because God said that's how many sons I'm going to give you. That's an amazing picture, isn't it? And I believe sometimes that we get so down and introverted and into the cares of our lives or the situation, the stuff that's going on in our lives, that God needs to pull us out to look up and say, God, you can do anything in my life. Your plans will come to pass. You will keep your word. And Abraham pleased God because he believed what God said. And I wonder today, are you believing that God has good things for you? Because you know what? You're not going to please God unless you believe him. And you need to believe that he has good things and he will bring them to pass. And then in this chapter in Genesis 15, God then made a very important covenant with Abraham, which we haven't time to look at. And at the end of the chapter, he said these words to Abraham. He told him to know certainly, I've actually written them uh, in, your, in your notes. Know certainly, he said to Abraham, that your descendants will be strangers in a land that will not be theirs. And they will be slaves for 400 years before God will bring the people out with great possessions. And of course we know that that was referring to the Exodus because Abraham was going to have many sons. God was going to keep his promise. And, and they were going to be down in the land of Egypt in a strange land that wasn't their land for many, many years. And after 400 years of slavery, God was going to bring them back. But Abraham didn't know all of that, but God gave him the promise and he told him to know certainly that it was going to come to pass. And so we see that Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous. You know, believing that God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and believing, choosing to believe that he's paid for your sins and receiving your forgiveness and receiving Jesus to be your personal saviour. That is what faith means. And that's the start of your journey of salvation. 
And if you haven't already asked Jesus to be your saviour, it's no good knowing he's a saviour of the world. He wants a personal relationship with you and he's waiting for you to ask him. Last week uh, I was at a meeting and at the end of it a girl came up to me and she started to talk about sin and before we knew it she was saying, you know, I, I have never asked Jesus to be my saviour. And you know, it was just such a, a beautiful thing to be able to explain to her that Jesus was waiting for her response. Because he loved you and he gave himself for you. And he said, you know, will you come to me? Will you come to me and ask me to be your saviour? And, and, and you see, God's waiting for us to respond to his love. And, and if there's someone here this morning, and you've never asked Jesus to be your saviour, come into your heart, to live in your heart by his Holy Spirit, then he's waiting for you. And we could, we could lead you. In fact, you could even just ask him now where you're sitting. It's as simple as that. And so God still wants us to believe what he says and to live a life of faith. So let's look just very quickly at Isaac. Um, you might remember, we haven't time to read it all in Genesis. I've given you some of the chapters you could read later if you, if you would like to. Uh, Genesis 25 and right up to 27. Um, and, and basically the story is that Abraham had a son called Isaac. He was a son of promise. We referred to him last week. And Isaac married a lady called Rebecca. And when Rebecca uh, didn't have children right away, Isaac prayed for her that she would get pregnant and she did get pregnant and she had twins in her womb and the story goes you can read about it in uh, genesis 25 that these two boys these two these twins in her womb were actually struggling they were they were wrestling or struggling if you like in her womb and it, they were struggling so much that she actually went to god and said what does this mean and god told her that two nations were in her womb and that the older would serve the younger and, uh, and so when the time came for these boys to be born, uh, the first one came out, he was the oldest one, and he was called Esau. And as Esau was coming out of the womb, you'll remember the story, I'm sure, where his brother Jacob grabbed his heel, just as Esau was coming out, Jacob grabbed his heel, and then Jacob was born, the second, he was the second born. And of course, the firstborn was the one who was entitled to the, the, the special blessings. So all his life, uh, Jacob was after these blessings. And so that picture of him coming out of the womb and, and grabbing his brother's heel proved to be a prophetic picture. Because later on in life, whenever these two boys grew up, Jacob actually did grab his brother's spiritual inheritance. He didn't wait for God to do it. Because God, remember, God had given his mother, Rebecca, he had given her a promise that the older would serve the younger. So Jacob could have left it to God to sort out because he was the younger and, and God had said that the older one, that Esau, would serve the younger. But he didn't do that. He took matters into his own hands. He wasn't living by faith at that point. He took matters into his own hands and, and he tricked, he and his mother actually got together and tricked their old father, who at that particular stage in his life, uh, Isaac was actually quite passive. He was living a kind of a passive life at that stage. And, uh, and so uh, one brother, Jacob, tricked the other one and stole the blessings and then created a whole furore because Esau was ready to kill Jacob for what he had done and it just caused tremendous division in the family. They didn't wait to do it God's way and Jacob had to run away and leave the family, broke his mother's heart, left his mother behind, left a trail of brokenness. And you see, that's what happens whenever we do things our way instead of God's way. And so uh, at the end of Isaac's life, 
Despite all the turmoil of a broken family, despite the fact that one son was set against the other son, despite all of his passivity, we see Isaac rising up and it tells us here in Hebrews chapter 11 that it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. And, and so I see this old man, even though he has made mistakes and he, even though he's been passive and he's let a lot of stuff flow over him that he should have been more assertive, I see that in his latter days that Isaac rose up and was full of faith. What did he have faith for? Well, I believe that he chose to bless his boys, believing that God would sort out the future fulfillment of the blessing. And he knew and he believed that he was part of what God was doing and he was privileged to be part of it. And you see, I wonder today if there's some of you and maybe you've got regrets and maybe you think, oh, I let that happen. You know, maybe you feel, oh, I let, you know, I let things pass. I should have disciplined my children or I should have done this or I should have done that. And you've got regrets for things in your past. Well, you know, I believe that God would want to, to release faith to you today. To believe that you can speak words of blessing over your children. To believe that you can speak words of blessing even over your own life and over the stuff that's going on in your life right now. And that you could, you could speak out God's blessing, believing that God would sort out how to fix the things that you've messed up in. Is that a good news or not? That even the stuff, you see, the Bible tells me that when we love God, that he can work all things together for good. And so I believe it's important for us to speak out God's blessings, even over situations that we think are too difficult. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, well, this situation is just too difficult. No, you can talk to God about it and you can ask God to help you and you can speak out God's blessings over that situation. That's your, that's your privilege of being part of the body of Christ. That's your privilege of being a child and a daughter of God. You belong to him and you carry the blessings of God. And Isaac, way back in the Old Testament, in faith itself, he didn't just do it, oh, I bless you. He did it in faith. And I tell you, the blessing in the Old Testament and these old, old patriarchs, when they passed on the blessing, I'll tell you there was power in it. That's why Jacob was, was ready to, to, to do things to, by hook or by crook, he, was, he wanted to, to uh, he wanted to get the blessing because there was power in the blessing. And when you speak words of blessing, believe me, there's power in what you speak. Jacob means supplanter or one who grabs the heel or one who takes another person's place. And, and he did it the wrong way. And he caused a lot of havoc in Isaac's life and in Rebecca's life, a lot of pain. Because, uh, but despite all of that, Isaac still had faith. And then it tells us in the next verse, it was by faith that Jacob when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. I love that verse because, as we've already said, Jacob didn't get off to a great start. He, 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 he stole his brother's blessing and he actually told lies to his old dad and he pretended to be his brother. Remember he dressed up and, and put the skins, remember Esau was a hairy man and he was smooth and, and his mother actually colluded with him and brought skins from the goats and whatever and, and pretended, actually pretended to be somebody else. He pretended to be Esau instead of 
of, of, the, of who he was instead of being uh, Jacob. And so uh, he, he certainly started off struggling in the womb and he struggled to get a hold of the birthright, but he also struggled, you know, with uh, the demands of his two wives. Do you remember he had two wives and he got two concubines? And remember they were, it was just a struggle to keep the woman in peace. Do you remember we've gone through that, you know, even a year or two ago we went through Jacob's life. So he had a struggle in different areas, not only in the womb, not only, you know, to get the brother's birthright, to, to grab it for himself, but he had a struggle with the wives. He had a struggle, if you remember, with um, his uncle Laban, who was his employer. He proved to be just as crafty and, and um, crafty and nasty and, and just as much of a trickster as Jacob had been. And, and so uh, he experienced struggle throughout his life. But God brought him to a place where God started to struggle with him. And I wonder if this is a word for somebody here today. Maybe you feel that, you know, you feel that life has been a struggle and maybe you feel that, you know, that, that, maybe, <coughs> that maybe you've had a raw deal and you're just struggling to get things right and you're just angry or whatever. I don't know what situation it might be, but I have a sense that like Jacob, that God wants to get maybe somebody alone. And you can be, God can get you on your own even here in this gathering. God could deal with you on a one-to-one -one basis. But with Jacob, he actually got him into a solitary place. He, he actually cut everybody off, crossed over a brook, and got him face to face. And it tells us in Genesis 32 that um, it tells us that that God uh, that God actually um, took him to the one side, and he was left alone. And it says a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. This man was actually the angel of the Lord. The Lord came to wrestle our struggle with Jacob. And it says, when the man, that's the angel of the Lord, saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. The angel of the Lord said, your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on you will be called Israel, which means prince with God, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob asked. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob called the name Peniel, which means face of God. And he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. I love this story because it's like God allowed him to continue in his own ways until a certain place. Do you know that, that so often the struggling that Jacob goes through reminds me of the struggling that we go through? Because even after we ask Jesus to be our saviour, we get a new, at the moment of salvation, we get this new nature. But we still have the old nature. And the old nature will struggle with the new nature. And for many of us, we have the same kind of struggles that Jacob had. Would you agree with me? And that struggle, I believe God allows that sometimes to go on, but then there comes a point where God just wants to deal with it. And you see, the prophetic word that was over Jacob's life was that the older, the older brother would serve the younger. And, and that's the prophetic word over your life because your old nature is meant to serve the new one the one that you get at salvation. 
That's a prophetic word over your life. God doesn't want you to stay struggling all the time with your old nature winning the matches. He wants you to allow his Holy Spirit to empower this new nature, this new spiritual nature, this new redeemed nature, this one that God has saved. He wants you to, 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 to operate and begin to live your life in the power of the new nature, power of the Holy Spirit. And so God will sometimes get you aside and get you on your own and he'll begin to deal with you. And that's exactly what he did with Jacob here. And, and as, as they were struggling, it seems that, that, that at some point the, the angel of the Lord actually put, touched Jacob's hip and put it out of joint. Now can you can imagine the strength that Jacob had in the natural, that old fleshly nature, it was strong. But when God touched and knocked his joint out of its socket, now that's an excruciating pain. I can only imagine what that pain is like if your joint is knocked out of socket. And instead of fighting from that moment on, Jacob would have been playing. He would have been holding his head because he, was, he would have gone down on his leg. And you see, God wants, sometimes God has to put you, put you we sometimes say, he puts you in, what's that saying? He puts your, out of, your joint out. out what's that saying? Out of joint, is that what it is? Sometimes God will touch you in areas that will cause you to, to just totally have to hold on to him. Sometimes God will touch you in areas where instead of you standing being independent and all over, you will suddenly realise you need God. He will put your your hip, put your joint, your, your hip out of joint. And not physically, but he'll do it in maybe other ways. Maybe you've been very independent in certain areas. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, God, I can't do this. Maybe, maybe you have a financial crisis or, or a sickness or an accident or something happens and all of a sudden you just find yourself and you're clinging to God and you're crying out for his blessing. And this is where Jacob found himself and he's crying out for God to, to not let him go until he blesses him. Even at that stage, all he wants is God's blessing because Jacob, despite all his, all his failures, he recognised that God's blessing was the most important thing he could ever have. And so as he's, as he's crying out for the blessing, the angel of the Lord says to him, what's your name? He was bringing him right back to the time when as a young man, when his father had said, what's your name? His father Isaac, and he had told a deliberate lie. He was acting in a false identity. He says, I'm Esau. And God was bringing him back to the old Jacob, the old trickster. And this time Jacob said, I am Jacob. He was acknowledging who he was. Do you know that we we need to be truthful with God? There's no point in saying, God, I know I'm great and I know I always get it right. No, you need to be coming and saying, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I'm just, I've, I've, I've blown it. And, and we need to speak the truth before God. And God brought Jacob to the place of truth where he was ready to say, I am Jacob. I am the supplanter. I am the one who stole my brother's blessing. And at that moment it says, that the Lord blessed him. But whenever he walked off after the spiritual encounter, and God changed his name, when he said, I'm Jacob, the Lord said, I'm going to change your name. You're not going to be Jacob anymore. You're going to be known as Israel, which means Prince of God. He came into, that was the turning point in his life. And I believe this morning that there could be someone in here, and maybe something has happened that has caused you to have to cling on God, and you're in a crisis moment, just like Jacob. And, and you're looking for God to bless you, and the Lord might even bring you back to something earlier in your life 
just to get some stuff cleared up. And he said, you know what? I don't want you to live that old way. I want you to live as a princess. I want you to live with a new name. I want, instead of being that old person with the old nature, making the old mistakes, doing stuff in the old way, I want you to know that from here on in, I want you to live in a new nature. I want you to live as a prince or a princess with God. I would love for that to happen, that we would come into our true identity this morning as a child, a daughter of God. I was speaking about identity last night to a wee group here in the Grove. And you see, it's so important that you know who you are. That you know because of what Jesus Christ did for you, for the, the fact that he died for you on the cross, that when you receive him as your saviour, you need to know who you are in Christ. That you're no longer that old person. You're now the righteousness of Christ. You, you now walk in a new identity. You're dressed in the robes of salvation. You now need to walk in your true identity as a believer. And so Jacob, uh, despite all of this, this was a turning point for him. And I love the fact that he went off with a, with a hip limp. You know, when you have an encounter with God, you're never going to you're never going to be reliant on your on your physical self, on your old. You're not going to be have an independent spirit. You're going to have to lean on God because that's what it means to know who you are. You are someone who can't do it on your own, but you can do anything when you're leaning on God. And so he's going off and he's limping. And then as an old man, as an old man, you see him here. What did we read? We read at the end of his life that by faith he blessed the sons of, of, of Joseph. And we haven't time to go into that story. It's a beautiful story of how he was led to specifically bless these two sons of Joseph and it says when, when he gave out the blessing he worshipped leaning on his staff you see the, the encounter and the struggle with God changed his life and from that moment on he was marked by a person who needed to lean on God he was marked from that time on as someone who was going to grow in faith and grow in worship and someone who was going to lean. I remember years ago we used to sing a song called Learning to Lean. Learning to Lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. And you know, this morning I would just love that you would that, that you would just have an encounter with God right here this morning or when you go home or this next week, that you would have an encounter with God and that you would allow God to win and that you would cry out for his blessings and let him give you that new name that he wants to give you. You are not your failures. You are not the things that have gone wrong in the past. That is not your identity. Your identity is a child of God, a daughter of God. That's who you are. And you are the one that he loves. And you're the one that he wants to bless. But he wants you to learn to lean on him. There's a verse in Song of Solomon I love it so much. It says, who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? I think that's the greatest thing we can learn in life is to learn to lean more and more on Jesus. When stuff gets difficult, don't try to struggle and handle it yourself. Don't do it your way. Say, Lord, I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust you to do it. And you know, as we lean on him, I believe we'll begin to worship him more and more. We get the auto start on and we just, in those moments of quiet, we just lean on him, rest on him and worship him. That will be an amazing thing for you to do today. And so uh, we see the, at the end of Jacob's life, despite all of the struggling, despite all of the, the stuff that he, that he, um, where he went wrong, we find that God declares that he's a prince of God and as he gets older, he is learning to lean. The thing was that, that because of his earlier life and because of, of the, the, the thing that he had done, Jacob was gonna actually reap what he sowed. 
in certain areas. Because although he was learning to worship, his boys were growing up. And, and his boys, obviously a lot of them were born during the time that, um, remember he had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes. And those 12 boys would have seen the struggle, their father struggling. They would realise that Jacob did struggle a lot with, with Laban and with, with, in lots of situations. And those boys, without knowing probably the history of what Jacob had done by deceiving his father, they may have known or they may not. Isn't it amazing how very often it can be like father, like son? And so these 12 boys of his, do you remember the story? They were jealous of his youngest boy, Joseph. And do you remember they sold him down to Egypt and pretended and tricked their father and told lies to their father that Joseph was dead? And so you see that it was like history repeating itself. And even though Jacob had received the blessings from God, he was going through suffering because you know what? Doing things the wrong way, doing things, being sinful, equals pain. That's why it's so important to disobey. Cut out all of this, all these long prayers we have to go out. Just obey. God said it, I'll do it. I believe it. That's the best way to live. But Jacob had, like a lot of us, Jacob had taken a few long cuts round, and these sons had told him lies, and now he was deceived. And do you know that for approximately 24 years, he believed that Joseph was dead. Can you imagine that? And then, of course, you know, at the end of those 24 years, remember God brought about the famine, and you know the whole story which we haven't time to go into, and because of the famine, Jacob sent his boys down to get, to get grain down in Egypt, not realising that God had promoted Joseph. Joseph had suffered terribly. He had, he had been a slave. He had been imprisoned. He had, he, he had suffered an awful lot in Egypt, but God had, had raised him up to be the prime minister. And you know the story how these boys went down, saw Joseph, and eventually at the end of it all, you remember Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and told them to go and bring Jacob back. I can't imagine what that was like for Jacob. Can you imagine after 24 years hearing that Joseph was still alive? And you know, it tells us that, that he, it seems like he nearly fainted. I think he nearly, reading between the lines, it was like he nearly had a heart attack when he realised his boy was still alive. Can you imagine what, what that was like? And then the Bible says that when he saw the wagons with all the supplies that Joseph had sent for him to make the journey down to Egypt, it says his spirit revived. And this old man raised himself up and got himself into the wagons. And you know, I love, I love this story. I read it the other day, and you know, I cried again. Every time I read the story, I just cry. Because I can just see Jacob raising himself up. He's an old man. And he's in these wagons and they're making this long journey and when he gets near the place, he sends Judah, whose name means praise, he sends Judah out in front and he says, you point the way for us, Judah. Praise points the way, girls. And, and as, he, as Judah led them, and, and Jacob coming up on the old man in this, in this wagon, Joseph, Joseph's watching him and Joseph sees him from a great distance and Joseph gets into his his chariot, and he races out to meet his father. And after 24 years, I can't imagine what that moment was like. Can you? It must have been amazing. They, it says they wept on each other's necks for a long time. And Joseph proudly brought his father, Jacob, to meet Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. What a reunion. Wasn't it amazing that all was working behind the scenes? Do you know that when you think that everything's come up against you and that you're even what you sold and all of that, isn't it amazing 
But even though hard stuff does come, and, and I tell you, whenever we make wrong decisions, there are often consequences. But isn't it amazing that God's still working behind the scenes and still working all things together for good and still bringing us into our destiny? And behind all of Jacob's messes, God was working and brought him right down back to Joseph and gave him many years with Joseph down in Egypt. And then as an old man, we see him here, as we've read, as an old man, here he is, blessing Joseph's boys and leaning and worshipping on top of his staff. I'll tell you, he was an old trickster and he got a whole lot of things wrong, but he learned. He learned how to lean and trust in God and he learned how to worship and he carried the blessing and he was able to pass the blessing on. That's what God wants you and me to do. He wants us to let go of the mistakes. He wants us to trust God for the future and to step into that place of leaning on God, trusting him for the future, and knowing that we are carrying the blessings of God and God wants us to pass them on to the next generation. The third one, and we're, we're coming near the end, the third one is Joseph. And it tells us in this little verse 22, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Do you see how from Abraham, the promise that God had given to Abraham that he's going to bless the world? Do you see how those blessings passed down to, to Isaac? and from Isaac to Jacob, and from Jacob to Joseph. Do you see from age to age how God was passing down the blessings? Did you notice at the very beginning that God had given Abraham a promise, not only that he would bless him and make him a blessing, but that he was going to give him the land, and he told him specifically to know certainly that his descendants were going to spend 400 years in affliction and slavery in the land that was not theirs, that was the land of Egypt. Now at this point in Jacob's life, whenever he was going down to Egypt, I wonder, I don't think that Jacob actually would have realised at that point that he was fulfilling the prophetic word that God had given to Abram. Do you get that? God has said to Abram, no certainly this is going to happen. And here, through just life circumstances, that, prophet, that promise and that prophecy is being fulfilled because all of Jacob's descendants are going down into Egypt, the strange land. And they're going to stay there for 400 years and they're going to come back up. That's what we call the Exodus. Remember they came up after the Passover. This is such a beautiful picture of Jesus being our Passover lamb. And of course, this is where we're coming to at Easter is Passover. And it reminds us of how God took them, as, took them out of slavery and brought them out. That prophecy was fulfilled, and, and the beginning of the prophecy was when Jacob and sons came down to Egypt. That was down the, 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 the land. The final verse for today is Joseph, and it's very interesting. At the end of his life, it, it says that he was he said confidently that the children of Israel would leave Egypt. How did he know that? Because of the prophetic word that had been given to Abraham, that had been passed down from Abraham to Isaac, and from Isaac to Jacob, and from Jacob to Joseph. What does God want you and me to do? He wants us to pass on the blessings, to pass on what we have learned. He wants us to pass on what God says to us. And he wants us to know certainly that it will come to pass. Abraham knew certainly. God said, you know for sure. And you know, if I was uh, just yesterday and I was thinking about this and I was thinking about getting older and I was thinking about how I want to pass on uh, what I have learned and I want you to pass on what you have learned because God wants to bless us 
but he wants us to be carriers of the blessing to the people around us and to the next generation. And I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking how, how God just loves us to take his word for, 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 for real, to believe what his word says. And you know, God gave Abraham this particular word, no certainty that they're going to go into this land and come out of it. A special word. But look, we can take all of God's word, the entire Bible, and we can believe it all. And when the Holy Spirit just anoints a piece of scripture to you and you read it and it hits your heart, that's what we call the living word or the real word. That's an anointed Holy Spirit word that God wants you to believe. And, and yesterday as I was just thinking about this and about how God wants us to know surely that his word comes to pass, just a few verses come through my mind where it actually tells us, uses the words, you know, kind of know for sure or um, uh, uh, surely. And one of the verses that came to me was, you know, surely he has borne our sorrows. So surely he's borne our grief and carried our sorrows. And I thought that's something that we need to know. Know for sure that God's already, that Jesus has already done that. That he has carried your grief, he's borne your, your grief and carried your sorrows. That you can trust him, that you can roll anxieties and sorrows on him and that he can take you through. And I began to think of some of these verses that are so special to all of us. I jotted them down in the, the end of your, of your um, and they're just a few random verses that speak about things that, that the Bible says that we need to know for sure. It tells us in, in uh, Psalm 23 verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. That's something that God wants you to know for sure. That's not just, that's a sure word. All of God's words sure, but I'm just picking out a few random ones where it actually says to know for sure. And then it says, um, John 6 says that the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's another sure. I have no way will, will I cast you out if you come to me. Last uh, Thursday night when I spoke to this beautiful young woman about Jesus, I was explaining to her that Jesus himself said, if you want to have your sins forgiven and you want to know me and have, me, have my spirit living inside you, then if you come to me and ask me, in no way will I, will I put you back. And I asked her, did she believe that? And she said, yes. And I said, well, if Jesus says that he, that he, he saved you, if you come to him, then you've got it. He'll keep his word. It's as simple as that. And we need to claim these promises. And then, of course, we have Romans 8 and 28 that I know all the quoting. And we know, this is something we need to know, that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Those are things we need to know. Those are, I mean, we believe all scripture, but these are things where it says, no, you need to know this. You need to know it and be sure about it. And then it tells us in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 36, know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you have crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. You need to know for certain that, that the one that who came down the family tree from Abraham eventually came down through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph right down through the family tree right down to Jesus. And God kept his word and blessed the world through the seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The anointed one who came to die for the sins of the world that we could be set free. It's just beautiful. And then, of course, I, um, I couldn't help but put in a new one, but out of context, but one day I spoke on a few weeks ago in 1 Samuel 38, and it's, uh, we will pursue, we will, we, will, we, will, we will overtake, and without doubt, we'll cover all. That's another without doubt, that's another issue. If you pursue God, you will overtake your enemies, and you will without doubt 
become all. He will restore to you, the Bible says, he will restore, not he might restore, but he will restore to you the years of the locust of Eden. This is good news, isn't it? It's good news. And so God wants us, I believe, today, as we're coming up to Easter time, he wants us to remember that he kept his promise to Abraham. And through Abraham's descendants, he has blessed the world by sending Jesus to come to this world, to die for our sins, to wipe us clean, to bring us into the family, and to put a Holy Spirit into our hearts, that we can live in a new, in a new nature, we can have this new birth, where we get this new nature that can absolutely break through any situation. At the weekend in Donato, we were saying that if we operate in the new, in the new nature, the one given to us from the Jesus to be our saviour, and where we are born again within the nature of God, when we operate in the spirit and not our own flesh, that's where we get the breakthrough. That's where we grow. That's where we begin to step into our true identity as to who we are. That is where we, we begin to see God moving in extraordinary ways. And as we step up and grow up in faith, we realise that we are actually carrying something that, that God wants us to roll onto the people around us. That God wants us to, 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 that the blessings that we receive just roll out to everybody around us. And the things that we have learned, that we can speak of them and pass them on to the next generation. I, I would love that at the end of my days that I would be able to pass on something that I have learned. And I know God wants you to do the same. We need to prove him, girls. We need to prove him in these promises. We need to trust him and live a life of faith. Is your faith growing? That's what I want to ask you. Is your faith getting stronger? Are you, I know after the weekend that a number of people said that God has done something to bring them into a new place. God wants to take you forward. He is always wanting you to grow. He wants you to grow in faith. Like any good father, he wants his children to grow. And he wants you to grow in faith and he wants you to pass it on to the next generation. And as we get ready now for Easter, when we remember that he came, we remember that he died for us, I would just love that you would just realise that it's a, a gift of salvation that he wants you to share with the world. And that you are important in God's big story. That he has plans for you specifically to be his witness, to carry on, to pass on the blessing, to speak into this. At the end of Joseph's life, it says that he, he, he told them that they were going to be moving out of here. Why? Because he, he knew the promise that God had given to Abraham. And do you know what? He was actually getting his family ready for that promise to be fulfilled. And he was saying to them, he was actually stirring up faith, he was saying, listen boys, God has said this is going to happen, and I'm confident, we're, you're all coming up out of, out of Egypt, and he said, here's what he says, he says, when the time comes, remember, put my bones in, and bring my bones up out of Egypt. He was stirring up, I wonder if your life and my life going to stir up the next generation to get ready for the next move of God, to get ready for Jesus Christ coming back, because we're not saying, we're moving out. And God's going to give a new heaven and a new earth. I wonder, are you going to inspire the people around you, especially the next generation, to get ready? Joseph spent his last breath telling his family, get ready because you're coming out of here and bring my bones up. And you can read about it in Exodus, given the reference there, where Moses was careful to put the bones of, 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 of Joseph in the hall that they took up out of Egypt. See, God keeps his word. I wonder if you and I remember 
dat deze patriarch Abraham, Isaac en Jacob en Dood, dit is hetzelfde wat nu wordt God en de wereld niet had. En yet they have faith and they believe God. Here we are with the scriptures. Here we are looking back at Jesus has already fulfilled the promise and died for our sins and has risen again. And we already have the Holy Spirit in us, empowering us to do all that God's called us to do. Why would we not step out and say, why would we not pass on the blessing and tell people the things that God said to us that we would pass them on to those who need? Lord, I pray that you will take your word. I pray, O oh God, that you will just implant it into every heart today. I pray that you would stir us up, Lord, to grow in faith, to, Lord, to begin to speak out that we know certainly that you will keep your word, to begin to speak out that your word is true, and no matter what predicament we might be in, that we can break through, but we roll everything onto you, Lord, and we trust you. And Father, I just pray that you would speak life into every woman's heart today, God, whether they're here or watching um, by, by live stream. God, I pray for a real encounter with you today that would change lives, for we would begin to walk in our true identity as your daughters, and Lord, we'd realise that we have something to impact the world with, because we know you and we know your word and we love you, Lord. And we thank you that your spirit is in us. And we just give now the rest of this time to you. And we pray, God, even as we just sing this song, Father, we pray that we will remember that you want us to put our faith in you because you are the faithful one. You're the one that we can trust in every situation. We can trust you for our salvation and we can trust you for every situation in life and for everything that's going on right now. Lord, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Love you to stand and we're going to sing Faithful One. Just remember that this is an opportunity just to rededicate yourself and uh, we would love to pray for anyone that, um, that, that, uh, that wants to come up for us. We'll be here at the front and uh, want to bless you. I think Joanne's something to say here. What do we say, Joanne? Joanne's going to do the sign language. Come up here. Going to do the sign language for this. It's beautiful, the sign language for faithful ones. So just, um, I know that most of you know the words. Let's just sing this as a worship. Leaning. If, if, I have this wee picture at the minute, and you're all leaning on your side. You've all got a side, because we're all getting bit older. And I can see you all leaning on your side, and you're worshipping, and you're just... Um, you're just pleasing God as you choose to lean on him and trust him and worship him as you sing the song. And once you are, she beautifully does the same language. 